G'day and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy, leadership and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and gives you a new perspective. Now here's your host, Jason Perkins. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 16, part one of Perco's Podcast. I hope it is well with your soul today wherever you are listening from around the world. Last week on my podcast, I spoke with Lauren Espy, who is an exceptional leader. She shared so much wisdom in relationship to soul care, and especially for those of us that are in leadership positions. Um, She's also a wife and a mom, and she just shared so much great information. So if you missed that conversation, I just wanted to remind you, you can go back and listen to part one and part two of that conversation with Lauren Espy, and I would highly, highly recommend it to you. In fact, one of our listeners from the US reached out to us over the past week and shared this quote from Lauren's episode that has been running through his mind on repeat lately. Lauren said this in the episode. She said, I'm a good human doer, but I'm a bad human being. Eric, the listener, wrote in and he went on to say that he has been focusing on being four people instead of a taskmaster this week. And that episode was incredibly impactful for him, he told us. Eric, I'm so glad that Lauren's conversation was impactful for you. And I'm so grateful that you connected with us online to share your feedback. That really means the world to me. We would love to hear from you as well that are listening to this episode. So stick around to the end of the podcast today and I will share with you how exactly you can connect with us online just like Eric did. Now, I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest, a friend of mine, Jamin Fraser. Jamin is the founder of the Insecurity Project. He's also the author of Elegantly Simple Solution to Complex People Problems, and most recently, Unhindered, The Seven Essential Practices for Overcoming Insecurity. It's a fantastic book. I've read it a couple of times now, and I'm super excited for you to be able to learn about it today. Jamin is also a TEDx speaker, and he's the voice behind the popular One Minute Coach radio segment, heard by over 750,000 daily listeners featured on stations all around Australia. Jamin has devoted his life to helping leaders, entrepreneurs, and those with ambition overcome insecurity so they can show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear, and self-limiting beliefs. He is widely regarded as one of Australia's best life coaches and is a leading voice globally on the subject of personal insecurity. In today's episode, we talk about how insecurity is something that we all deal with and how it is oftentimes the thing that is holding us back from accomplishing our great ambitions. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with my good friend, Jamin. Jamin. So good to have you on the show, mate. Thanks for joining me on Perco's podcast today. How are you doing? How are things in Goulburn, the uh, cooler part of New South Wales? How are things this morning? Well, look, it's a, it's a mint morning this morning. I do love running in the frost, particularly when my cheeks are burning, lungs are burning. Uh, I just I think it's so good. No wind. So it's a beautiful morning. Sun's out. Um, great start to the day. Yeah, fantastic. You know you're truly alive when your lungs and your cheeks are burning and <laughs> your, body's right. le- your body's letting you know that you are putting in some effort, which is awesome. I love that. 
Well, listen, we're going to dive right in. For those that are maybe new to the podcast, um, our goal here is pretty simple. We want to help people reach their goals without losing their souls. And we have this kind of mantra, we say it this way, we'd love to see a generation of leaders who can at the end of their days say, I reached my goals, but even more important to that, they would say it is well with my soul. That's uh, mm. really the key for us here at the podcast. And Jamin, you've just released a brand new book, which I uh, can't wait to talk about because I actually think it tackles both of the things that we talk about on the podcast. Um, and so before we get to that, though, we have this fun little segment, Jamin, we call it 60 Seconds with Perko. I just have 10 either or questions, rapid fire. I'm going to go through them really quickly. You just mm. tell me whatever comes to your mind first. So Great. number one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Apple or PC? Apple. Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Dogs or cats? Wolf. Netflix or YouTube? Mm, YouTube. Call or text? Call. Podcast or music? Mm, podcast. Passenger or driver? Driver. Saver or spender? Spender. Okay. And then the classic <laughs> question, mate, this is the one that really can disrupt people pretty significantly. When it comes to your toilet paper roll, is it mm. over or under for you, mate? It's over as it should be. As it should be. I'm with you on that. Over <laughs> as it should be. I don't know who the under people are out there, but they certainly don't Weirdos. have that one correct. I'm so glad you said podcast, mate. I was nervous you were about to say music and I was going to have to interrupt and say, you're not doing us any favors here, mate. We're recording a podcast. You're not helping the industry in any way. But um, so you said that you're a spender. Does Catherine help balance that out? Your wife help balance that out a little bit or not really? Yeah, yeah. Look, we've got a, we've got a really good money system. Uh, we followed the Barefoot Investor and uh, my mate Bryce Holdaway has the, the Money Smart system. So there's a few good frameworks we've developed over the years, which kind of make sure we get to have a lot of fun with our money and uh, there's still money in the bank. So um, we, we complement each other well. It's taken us a while to work yeah, that out, good. but we're good with it now. Yeah, fantastic. I love the fact that you mentioned a couple of people there. You said the Barefoot Investor. Mm -hmm. um, who was the other name that you said? Money uh, so, Smart? so Bryce Holdaway there in Power yes. Wealth. He, he runs the Property Couch podcast and yep. uh, he's written a book called Make Money Simple Again. Okay. Um, so yeah, some really great frameworks there. Yeah, awesome. We'll make sure that we link to those in the show notes. Hey, tell us for those that are not familiar, Jamin, with your uh, books and your podcasts and Mate, you've got a lot of content that you create, which I find really helpful. I, I follow almost all of it, I think. Um, can you tell us, though, a little bit of your background? Because you've you had and you and I know, have known each other for a long time. I feel like mm. I feel like um, I had a missed opportunity because I knew your wife well because she was good friends with some people that were good friends of mine. But we never really got to connect that much in those early years, 20 years ago now. And uh, I feel like it's a missed opportunity, but I'm glad we're catching up uh, with lost time, you know, for lost time right now. But give us a bit of your background, mate, because you had, I would call it a bit of a traditional path, but then you took a, a massive turn. So tell us a little bit of your story. Uh, yeah, so, so look, I... Uh... I was desperate to to join the army when I finished school. That was my that was my plan. I thought long and hard about what I was going to do with my life. 
And I thought, yep, the army's for me. I thought, look, they're going to pay for my degree. I'm going to do civil engineering in the army and it's all going to be, it's all going to be good. Um, <clears throat> passed all, all my tests, was going to go through ADFA. Uh, and then it was, it was uh, two weeks before the final interview, uh, just finished school, a mate's 18th birthday party. And I rocked up 20 minutes late, starving. And I said to my mate, uh, what, do, what do you got? I'm starving. He says, I got just the thing for you, Fraze. Um, knowing I'm, I'm straighty 180, like I'm just, just a, a simple farming kid. And he gives me this plate of hash cookies and I got no idea oh. that I'm eating hash cookies. And so, and I'm high on life anyway. And so having a great time. Uh, and anyway, two weeks later, I, I do my final interview, get a blood test and a urine test. And, no. and I can still very clearly remember this, the, uh, the officer sitting me down and saying, so son, when was the last time you experimented with marijuana? And I said, no, I haven't. Said, well, <laughs> the, the tests don't lie, so uh, you're out. Oh, Done. no and way. So it was, an, it was an incredible moment in my life because it was like, oh, wow, that, wow, that was my whole hope. That was my future. That's what I was going to do. Um, so in, extraordinarily, um, a couple of weeks after that, I met Catherine, who, who you knew. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, had an experience at a youth camp that, that changed my life in terms of what I thought about destiny and thought about uh, what I wanted to do and uh, and in the end decided to go to Bible college and and just felt a really strong sense of um, I think there's something bigger for my life than the army and I never saw it but now I do so anyway long story short ended up um, training for ministry did a degree in, in theology got a job as a youth pastor in my church and then a um, short time later was given the opportunity to be the senior pastor at, at 23 23 mate just, that that is young to take on a congregation, 23 years old. What? Yeah. Tell us about that. Was that well, a ner- nerve-wracking experience? It was a very what? nerve-wracking experience. When, when the, uh, you know, our, our senior pastor was on long service leave and someone came in to, to caretake that time and we were talking about succession and I'm in the conversation talking about succession. We're looking around, who's going to succeed? And then, then he says, no, I think it's you, Jamin. And I'm like, Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> like I could just imagine that being announced to the church and everyone going, uh, what you, <laughs> Oh, see ya. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, and you grew up in this town where you were pastoring as well. That's... So it would have been like, are you sure we want the little kid Jamin to run? Yeah, the show? I know yeah, it yeah. was all those things, all those yeah. things. Um, however, people were gracious when the announcement was made and the decision that, uh, that I was going to be the leader, people were like, great. Yeah excellent we got confidence that you can do a good job so wow. it was an incredibly humbling experience and um and in many ways a baptism of fire because we had kind of a, a big organization we had a, a christian school and a daycare center and and i found out kind of six weeks into my tenure that they were trading insolvently so wow. it was kind of a deep dive into business as well I, I had no idea what i was doing but i could tell the difference between red and black and that's probably yeah. <laughs> um, all I needed early on. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So that began a, a period of my life where I was, I was church pastor for 10 years and, uh, yeah, it was all in. That was, that was an extraordinary experience of my life. Um, one of the interesting challenges of being pastor was, you know, as pastor always invited into people's world to have conversations about change. Um, but I was always surprised at how little change I saw. Yeah, I was often having the same conversations with the same people about the same things, and and just this observation that Christians were looking to outsource the change work to God. You know, if I just believe, if I just have faith, if I just pray, God will somehow magically take care of the rest. And 
And I just thought, I'm sure there's an invitation to participate in this. I'm sure God's greatest gifts are choice and responsibility, but most people wanted to give them back. Um, so when I got introduced to the coaching skill set by a mentor of mine, I was gobsmacked. I thought, you're kidding. Like, where have these tools been? This is a, this is a missing technology and this belongs. This belongs in an authentic spirituality. This belongs. And so I... Um, as I tend to do, dived in boots and all and went and went and did a diploma in coaching and was just so uh, compelled by that skill set. And, um, and in the end, just felt that that was, that was more aligned to uh, who I was designed to be, where I was called to be and how I could be most effective. And so um, resigned as my, my job as a pastor, handed that church over to a couple I raised up and, uh, and began a coaching business. Wow. Um, and the thing about coaching, the coaching world is there is no barrier to entry and so uh, literally, like I started my coaching business uh, four weeks after I began my coach training. Right. Because no one could tell me that I couldn't. Um, yeah. you know, no one said, oh, there's rules. No, no, you're just like swing away. <laughs> so yes. it's such an interesting industry because there are all kinds of skill sets and experience levels. It's a hyped up space. Um, people making all kinds of outlandish promises. Um, but yep. nevertheless, one of the most profound skill sets I've ever come across, one of the most empowering um, sets of tools and frameworks. So, uh, yeah, that began my journey as, as a coach. Um, yeah. I've been coaching for the last 10 years. Wow. So, so Jamin, I just want to be brutally honest on the podcast here and say, we, we in the evangelical space, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that, uh, you know, <laughs> put that category out there. I think sometimes we struggle with this concept of life coaching mm. and, and I feel as though there's actually a negative perception towards it by a lot of people in the evangelical space. And I know a little bit of your story. I don't know the whole thing, but I think that you've probably maybe run into some of that, you know, pushback from people in the evangelical, in the church space. Why do you think that, that Christians in, and again, I'm generalizing here. I'm not saying every Christian. Why do you think that they might have that negative perception when it comes to this kind of what oftentimes people refer to as self-help or this mm. coaching space that you now work in? And why do you see it as part of, you said before, just a moment ago, you said that it's actually a vital part of, of spirituality. Why do you think that? Yeah, I, I certainly had some challenges in when, when I started to introduce the coaching ideology into some of the the church space. Um, I, I wrote my first book was called 12 Coaching Conversations Every Disciple Must Have. And uh, and I thought it was a really great link, but it was not well received at all because, as you <laughs> said, people kind of felt like, now this is way too secular. This doesn't belong. Um, you know, our, our responsibility is to have childlike faith. And I just thought, I think you're supposed to have childlike faith when you're a child, but to me, the invitation in, in the Gospels is an invitation to grow up into maturity, into an adult-to-adult -adult relationship with God. And, and just like when I think about my own kids, um, I wouldn't trust my kids with the what do you want question when they're really young because with that question, they'll ruin their life. Yeah. If I said you know, to my kids when they're toddlers, you know, what do you want? Well, they're, they're going to want fairy floss and bubble gum. Like they're not, they're going to want TV and late nights. Like they're not going to want broccoli and they're not going to want early nights. And, and so when they're young, it's like, Hey, listen, trust and obey, just trust me and do what I say. And it will go well with you. But if, if like on their 21st birthday, all I've got for them, I say, listen, just trust me and obey what I say. 
It's like, and never cross the road without me and make sure you eat your broccoli and every decision, run that by me first. Be like, um, there's something really weird about that dynamic. So yeah. I think, you know, father is the metaphor used most frequently in the scriptures to describe God. And so we kind of get that that is the idea that um, God is father, but the invitation to, to grow up and to have a, a, re- a relationship with father, that's an adult one. So that requires you to take responsibility that just like the child moving into adulthood, they got to work out some stuff for themselves. They've got to understand who they are. They've got to understand what motivates them. They've got to make some mistakes. They've got to fall on their face. They've got to understand what drives them. So, so I think, yeah, the, the reason why it feels so secular for Christians is because this, this idea that the most spiritual you can be is a child. Um, I think that's a really clever hideout because, you know, as a child, it's never your responsibility and never your fault. So I think, I think people just kind of get in this place where it's safe to blame it all on God and wait for God to take responsibility. Then, then you can never get found out. So I think, um, life life requires more than that an authentic spirituality requires you know blood on your knees uh, you know it, it you you get knocked down you you fail you miss it you but that's the only way that you learn and, and that's when you find something real by you know having a go yourself taking responsibility yeah are you talking about jamin i'd love for you to unpack this a little bit more are you talking about the tension then between god being sovereign and in control but we as human beings still have responsibility and, and we have permission to even take control of certain things. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting theological conversations here, but the way that I think about it is, is the garden. I think uh, I, I love the, the, I love the Hebrew story um, before the Greco Roman imposition on the gospel. I love the fact that in the beginning, God made heavens and the earth and he made man in his image and he said it was good. Um, I think this idea of perfection is, is a imposition to that story. Um, Cause if you're perfect, all you can do is, is fall. God said, God said they're good. Um, now I, I love thinking about that idea. What does it mean to be, to be inherently good? Um, like you can't really say you're good unless you could have had the opportunity to be bad. It's like, you can't, you can't really say you've loved someone unless you could have hated them. Otherwise, what, like you had to, it's not real. Like if I'm away on a trip and I bring some flowers home for Kat and, um, and she says, oh, thank you, that's lovely. And I said, well, I didn't want to, but I was reading this book at the airport that says husbands must bring flowers home for wives. Yeah. So I didn't want to, but here, this is what I have to do. She's like, well, you know what you can do with those flowers? Yeah. You know, <laughs> jam yes. them. Um, yeah. they, they all of a sudden mean nothing. They're... Um, I think about marriage being, you know, not, we're not married because of a historical decision to say yes to each other. We're here because we said yes today and you can't say yes unless you can say no. So, so I think this idea of choice, this idea of um, God is not afraid to give us choice because it's choice that makes us real. It's choice that makes us alive. We can do terrible things with those choices, but we can also do wonderful things. And so I love thinking about just the wonder of the design is putting responsibility and choice Two incredibly dangerous gifts yes. because we can do all kinds of terrible things. But when we use them to, to draw close to God, to, to, to be kind to ourselves and others to bring the kingdom to the earth, then, then, then it's real, then it's powerful. So I think that's kind of the tension, the, this, this beautiful wisdom that would give us power um, knowing we could make a mess of it, but knowing there was no other way for it to be real. 
So um, I, yeah. I love exploring what does it mean to use the power we've been given well. And that means owning who we are and, and understanding how we work and taking full responsibility to do well with the gift we've been given. Yeah. Listen, mate, I want to kind of transition a little bit to your book now um, and talk about the book. You start off the book with a series of stories of individuals um, that have that have been faced with some challenges or some struggles, let's call them. And I feel as though you, and intentionally I'm assuming, really talk about each of those struggles. And there's a variety of them from financial to physical, relational work, all sorts of different parts of our human experience. But you really bring it back to talking about the, and I think you're setting up the case that the root problem of all of these challenges and perhaps the common root problem of, of humanity's challenges is this idea of insecurity, which I know you're passionate about. You've mm. founder of the insecurity project. If that's the case, if I'm, if I'm reading that correctly, number one, why do you feel as though that is the root problem of all of these human challenges that you in, introduce in the book? Yeah, well, I, I do think it is the root challenge. I think, um, the way that we're designed is that what what we believe shapes our experience of life. And so um, typically when you explore someone's belief system, there's a whole bunch of really interesting limiting beliefs and specifically limiting beliefs about themselves. People form really interesting opinions of whether they're good enough, whether they're worthy of love, whether they're inadequate. Uh, and those, those opinions become beliefs and those beliefs generate evidence to prove that they're true and they become the construct we live out of. And so uh, they impact every area of our life. I'm, I'm convinced that behavior is just the end of the assembly line out of the factory of our beliefs. So uh, I, I, I love the personal development space, but often it's just, a, it's a behavior management conversation. It's always dealing with the end product. So yeah. people see pain, <clears throat> sorry, people try and fix the problems in their life where they see the pain show up. So they see pain in their finances. They imagine it's a money problem or they see pain in their relationships. I, uh, it is a relationship problem. I'm not enjoying work. It must be a work problem. But when you kind of turn the lights on and, and explore what's going on at, at the deepest level, you kind of really uncover that underneath all of that, there's some fear of being found out as inadequate, some opinion that they're not good enough, some... Um, some belief that they don't deserve love. It's underpinning that and really driving that surface dysfunction. Yeah. Did I, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Did I, did I, uh, no, sum that no up you enough? nailed it. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. I'd love for you to unpack Jamin then this idea around, and you mentioned this just a moment ago about this childlike faith that people oftentimes refer to in Christianity. And it's almost seen as like a, a goal to to aspire to mm. and yet there's also this um this concept that we find later on in the new testament through the writings of paul where he talks a lot about growing into full maturity into full yeah, spiritual yeah. maturity <clears throat> so can you unpack for us the idea of maturing into adulthood fully and how does how does that tie into your biblical worldview like how does sure. that work for emotional emotional human beings and, and how do they become, you know, I guess mature emotionally and live that out. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's a really great conversation and and a tricky one at times because I think as Christians, Christians believe that you know independence is the root of all sin. So to kind of wander off and do your own thing, that's that's sin. Um, however, the journey to maturity goes through the waters of independence. Like you know, it was Stephen Covey uh, who said, right, the journey to maturity goes from dependence to independence to interdependence. Yes. So you start out dependent on everyone and everything, um, but then you kind of work out how to do some stuff for yourself. In fact, you work out how to do everything for yourself. That's not the highlight of maturity. That just means you come then with your cup full so that you can have interdependent relationships. So um, I, I, uh, when I was pastor, I, was, I, I remember reading that from Carby and just going, you're kidding. This, we, we do dependence so well. We get this childlike thing, we nail it. Like people come in to, to a Christian experience as a child, dependent on everything. Just trust God, lay not on your own understanding and trust your pastor to interpret what God's saying to you. Um, but we're not very good at the next step. Like we create these systems of dependence and people never grow up. So, which is why, which is why, Jamin, I think there is a frustration for pastors that it doesn't matter how many programs you put on for people, they will always desire yet another program, another Bible study, because they've never learned how to feed themselves. And then I think, Jamin, I think that in Covey's terms, they never learn to feed each other in the inter yeah, interdependence. Yeah. Like they may actually learn how to do a Bible study for themselves and maybe start to feed themselves, but it's that discipleship of yeah, interdependence yeah. where it breaks down. But anyway, I digress well, and I, I jump into no, the frustrations I, of many pastors. I yeah, agree, God. but I, I, I don't know whether I, I would do like, I, I got so frustrated by that. And so, so, um, uh, just so intrigued by this idea of maturity and how I could facilitate maturity as a leader that I kicked everyone out of church for three months. So I literally closed the doors for three months and said, we're not going to do this anymore because this is really weird. And I'm facilitating um, you to remain as babies. And, I'm and not there wasn't, that game. there wasn't a global pandemic to blame either at the no. time. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and it was a really interesting experience because I was just like, this is the most loving thing I could do as your leader is to say, Hey, listen, you got to work out some stuff on your own, not because your pastor tells you not because you can go to a small group or a Bible study. You got to work out whether you used to want to be a disciple just because that's what you decide to do. And, and you got to take some responsibility for your own journey. Um, there's no other way. And if I keep having these systems, well, you'll say these words. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm doing my own thing, but then nothing will really happen. So anyway, I kicked everyone out for three months um, not many people came back when I opened the church, uh, <laughs> uh, by the way. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but it was an amazing experiment just to kind of go, we got to find a way to grow up because the invitation is to maturity. And I think this childlike faith, it sounds so spiritual and sounds so noble, but it is a hideout. And, and it is an insecurity hideout too because the deep fear is, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I fail? What if I'm not capable of running my own life? What if I make horrible mistakes? What if I hurt myself and others? I'm just going to shut it down and remain as a child. And so to me, that's, that is, uh, yeah, it's a strange decision, um, but a foolish decision and, and an un, ungrateful decision because to me, the gifts of choice and responsibility are the most precious things we've ever been given. And to give them back and say, I'd prefer to live with blame and excuse and the illusion of no choice. Thanks very much. 
uh, is to squander life itself, is to squander the wonder of what we've been given. So sure, you can make some mistakes, you know, doing your own thing. Of course, that's the only way you learn. You know that as a parent, you know, you watch your kids, you can't prevent them from making mistakes. You wouldn't want to. Yeah. So God the same with us. You've got to try some stuff. You've got to understand your own thinking um, and off the back of that to then grow up and, and then contribute meaningfully. Each part bring their gifts. You can only bring your gift if you've worked out what your gift is and own that and, and grown into maturity in that. So yeah, um, big, big challenge, love, but, but an important one. I love one. that. I love the fact that you talk about, uh, you know, two of the greatest gifts we've been given as human beings are these gifts of choice and responsibility. Um, it reminds me of, I actually have sitting on my desk, a little book, Victor Frankl's oh, yeah. Man's Search for Meaning. And he talks about the fact that, you know, humans, unlike animals, actually have this ability to choose and make decisions. Um, and he talks about it in light of circumstances happening to us and we get the choice to respond to those circumstances. Our response is not forced upon us, but we actually have a responsibility to it. You said something, Jamin, just a moment ago. You said that we shouldn't squander the gifts and abilities that we've been given. And I, mm. I love what you're doing in this insecurity project. And I love, I love what you talked about in the book that we actually have a responsibility as human beings to the world to solve this insecurity problem. Can you unpack what you mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by this responsibility? And what do you mean by not squandering that responsibility? Uh, well, well, firstly, I think about the, the parable of the talents. Um, I think it's a really interesting story on a number of levels, but to me, the takeaway from that is uh, our responsibility is to grow what we've been given. Don't worry about what anyone else has given, but we yeah. have been each given gifts. And, and when it's all said and done, you will be held accountable for what you did with what you were given. And, and most importantly, did you grow it? Did you explore the outer limits of what was possible with what you were given? So that, that is a responsibility for growth. That is a responsibility to go. I can't stay here. I can't just bunker down for the sake of fear of what I might lose, which is the insecurity problem. What if I show up and bring my best and my best is not good enough and then I'll be found out. So what I'm going to do is not do anything. I'm just going to defer to someone else's wisdom, trust someone else's judgment, and serve, some, like, serve someone else's agenda. Also, it's not my responsibility. But, you know, that's, that is a a foolish decision and one that you'll be uh, sad that you made. So I think, um, you know, insecurity causes each of us inherently beautiful, wonderful, creative people to make decisions that hurt ourselves and each other. It's our insecurity that causes us to be tribal and selfish and greedy and, uh, and, and, and needy. Like it's, it's unattractive and unkind it's it, the people who, who do the best work in the world. They, they show up confident that they're already enough. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to defend. They're free to give out of the overflow of who they are. And, and that's not just good for them. It's not just good for their family. When you show up like that, you, you then bring your gift to the world. And, and that has, a, has an incredible ripple effect. That has an incredible impact on, on all those around you. And so we have some great challenges in the world today. And, and I think they're not, they're not technological challenges as they may have been in other eras. I think our technology is racing ahead. The, the great challenge is, is whether we will grow up as, as, as human beings, whether we will deal with our dysfunction, whether we will develop our capacity to, to show up with maturity and, and confidence and security. I, I think that is the great challenge on the world today because 
it's our insecurity that causes us to rape and pillage the planet and, and, you know, drive into consumerism deeper and deeper to make sure we meet our own needs, mm. uh, you know, for fear that we'll miss out. It's, but it's the secure person who's free to show up and give and contribute rather than, than take. Jamin, it sounds a lot like you are inviting people into a process of doing what some people would refer to as deep work. Mm. What would you say to the person that, that just says, Hey, I'm, I'm too old or I'm mm. too far gone or quite frankly, Jamin, I, I just don't know if I want to go on the journey of doing that kind of hard work to deal with some of these deeper issues in my life. What would you say to them? Well, interestingly, um, practice five out of the seven in my book is to, is to get help from someone who doesn't care about you. Mm. So, so I would say, um, you will not hear me pleading with you. You will not hear me wanting for you. You will not hear me trying to convince you anything. I, I, that's, that is of, of zero value. In fact, it's worse than zero value. It's counterproductive because that positions me as the expert in your life and, and to give you advice and tell you what to do. The internal response when someone tells you what to do is, hey, you're not my mom. Stop telling me what to do. Yeah. So, so I think uh, there are some people who will never deal with this. In fact, a lot yeah. of people will never face their fears and deal with their insecurity. Um, yeah. However, for those who have ears and eyes and are ready, beautiful. There's a framework, there's, there's tools, there's a way of entering into a process for doing deep work that, that produces lasting change. And yeah. so I've positioned myself to, to serve those who are ready. Um, and rather than to kind of try and convince the unwilling or those who yeah. will never be ready, that's, that's yeah. my decision about where I can be most effective. Well, I hope that every single one of us listening to the podcast today are ready to tackle this insecurity problem that we all face. And if that's the case for you, then I hope you'll join us next week for part two of this conversation because Jamin's going to dive into the many steps that we need to take in order to begin working on our own insecurity. There are so many great things that stood out to me from this first part of the conversation, but something that really kind of jumped out to me as Jamin was talking about it was this idea of maturing in our faith. So many of us that come to following Jesus and come to our Heavenly Father do so with a real childlike faith in the beginning. But our Heavenly Father really has a desire for us to mature into an adult-like faith. And part of doing that is tackling this insecurity problem that we all have. I just thought that was fantastic. Well, before I go though, I just want to remind you of how you can make sure you don't miss a single conversation like this one. If you haven't done so already, I want to invite you to go to my website, jasonperkoperkins.com and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter there. That will be a way for you to be reminded of every single episode as we launch them. Another way to do that is just to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to or if you like to watch it on YouTube, you can subscribe there as well and you'll get these conversations that you can view online. As always, I'd love to hear from you if you are finding these conversations helpful in feeding your soul lately. Man, we love hearing from our listeners and finding out how these conversations are impacting them in their life and leadership. So we'd love to connect with you online this week. A couple of ways to do that. One is via our social media platforms. 
You can use the handle Jason Perko Perkins. Find us on social media, or you can just send me a good old-fashioned email. My email address is hello at jasonperkoperkins.com. Also, if you are finding these conversations helpful, I bet you know somebody that would find a conversation like this one helpful as well. And we'd love for you to be able to share it with your friends. One of the best ways to share it with people is to leave us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast platform. That really helps us get the word out to as many people as we possibly can about soul care. That's really our vision here at Perco's Podcast is we want leaders to be healthy, not just in reaching their goals, but also caring for their souls. What we really dream of one day seeing is this. Our dream is to see a generation of leaders reach their goals and at the same time hear them say, it is well with my soul. Thanks again for your time today. We really appreciate it. Can't wait to connect with you online this week. And I'm super excited to share part two of this conversation with Jamin Fraser with you next week, along with a chance to win a copy of his book. So tune in next week for the next episode for both of those things. Until then, cheers. You've been listening to Perco's podcast. Join us next time for more insights on strategy, leadership, and soul care to help you reach your personal, professional, and spiritual goals while at the same time not losing your soul. In the meantime, make sure to connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.